What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. Today's episode is going to be hosted by Lauren Falk, and she interviews Julia McRae. Julia is a former collegiate and professional soccer player who is now a teacher, athletic director, and coach at University Lake School, and she oversees the girls program at Let Kids Fly, a local and unique youth soccer program. Julia and Lauren have a great conversation where they talk about Julia's background as an athlete all the way from high school through playing professionally in Canada, how she got involved in coaching, specifically at Let Kids Fly, the three pillars that Let Kids Fly is built upon, and their focus around character and community, how the parents' role is in supporting their kids through youth sports, and really an overall different approach to playing youth sports and developing youth athletes and young adults. This is a great episode for any parent, whether you're involved in soccer or another sport, as well as coaches that are dealing with youth athletes to hear a unique program that is tackling the youth sports scene in a different way. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Falk, and I am joined today by Julia McRae. Julia is one of many, many things. <laughs> she is a mom, a teacher, an athletic director, a coach. I think that should be plural probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and oversees um, the girls program at Let Kids Fly, a local highly unique youth soccer program. We could talk about all of the things that she does, um, that's for sure. But today we're going to focus on her efforts to promote girls participating in sports, as well as her involvement with um, LKF. We call Let Kids Fly LKF is kind of the way that we let it roll off the tongue. And to learn just a little bit more about this organization and what makes it so unique. So I'm really excited to be able to have her here to share with us a little bit about her background as well, um, to where she's been and where it's gotten her to where she is today. And I think whether you're a soccer player or a parent or not, there's a lot to take out of this podcast. So first of all, Julia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So first of all, just before we get going on more of the meat and potatoes of this, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in soccer and how that's kind of played out for you? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm actually Canadian. Um, <laughs> Can you hear it? Which is a whole different story that we won't even go down uh, because it's a miracle I even got here in the first place. Um, I grew up in They let you across the border? Eventually. I was <laughs> deported for a couple of years. Oh it was really God. fun. Um, so, yes, I grew up playing soccer and um, a sport called ringette, which is pretty similar to a hockey. Um, oh, okay. It's actually an all-girls sport. Uh, on ice, it's pretty much a hockey stick without a blade, and it's a ring rather than puck. Interesting. Um, and I was actually a multi-sport athlete at the highest level in both those sports until really? I was a senior in high school, um, which at, at the time when I first started playing both sports, it was kind of frowned upon. Um, even then, which I don't want to date myself, but probably 20-ish years ago, uh, <laughs> I was being told I had to specialize in a sport and I couldn't miss one for another. Um, and both my parents being former college athletes, coaches, um, they kind of would argue with any coach that said that. And they, they would say, no, she's going to keep playing both sports. It's good for her body. It's good for her brain. The yeah. load that I was on, um, I probably would have quit a sport if I had to specialize because right. Not um, enough hours in the day. That's another rabbit hole. We don't need to go down, but the, the specializing of some youth sport at a young age, um, I mean, the stats don't lie. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, I grew up playing soccer ringette. Uh, eventually, as a senior, actually, I was a really late commit. Uh, I uh, decided to go Division One at Jacksonville University to play soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also not an easy uh, trip. I first committed to Montana. Oh. The day before the signing day, the coach got fired. Mm. Didn't want to go to a school across the country that I had no idea who the coach was. And it actually worked out because I think they went through three coaches over the next four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so eventually, I think it was like April of my senior year, I committed to JU and down there. Absolutely loved it. Um, started and played all four years. Um, I was captain for... What position did you play? I was a center midfielder. Um, my sophomore year i they transitioned me into a center back because um i when i was tracking for the national program in canada i was a center back okay um turns out it didn't work out as well because the person that they moved into the midfielder who was always our center back she should have stayed as a center back (laughs) um so we eventually transitioned back and i went back to the midfield which was great um but i i would say if you know soccer i was more of a box-to-box midfielder i was an eight um I kind of roamed around the field, ran all day. They would take me out when I got tired, throw me back in to run around again. Yeah. Um, And then that kind of led me into coaching in Jacksonville. So I started with a club down there, really fell in love with looking at it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my philosophy, my whole life has been be the coach that I would have wanted as a kid. Yeah. Um, and that has kind of, kept true this whole time. Um, I feel like if I'm the person that I would have wanted as a young female, mm-hmm. then I'm giving the kids what they need. Yeah. Um, and if kids want something different, they can go find something different. I mean, it's fair. That's not everyone's everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I have learned that, um, and I've, and we'll get into that in later on in the podcast, but, uh, sticking true to what I am and who I am has been pretty much the backbone of, of where I have gotten. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so to speed through the next couple of years of my life. I coached in Jacksonville. We got married in Nova Scotia. We were coming back down to the U S um, for my husband's spring training season. And they were like, Nope, you can't come into the country until your green card's all done. Oh, and they were like, it will only take a couple months, probably nine months. And then two and a half years later, we were back in the U S so, finally in the same place. Yeah. So I missed a couple of good seasons of, ba- of baseball with my husband, but it actually really worked out for me um, because the new path that was created was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I got some opportunities to work at the highest level in Canada. I worked with U17 national teams, U15 national teams. Oh. Um, so it was really great. Uh, I learned a ton. Uh, I, I say that those were the years that I learned the most about me and as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I'm very grateful for that unfortunate marital <laughs> issue. but. <laughs> For for my career, it's it's been awesome. But you're still together and have kids, oh, so you got sure that going are. for you. He, yeah, he's stuck with me now. So, so here we are, living in a condom walk. With under the kids, same roof. Under the same roof. Now he's stuck with me 24-7. I mean, that's pretty – I mean, you really have expanded a very broad spectrum of coaching, too, yes. which I'm sure helps narrow your perspective today when you are working with the kids that you are. Totally. You know, as long as you kind of continually draw from those experiences and things like that. So while you were in Canada, you ended up playing professionally as well, correct? Yes. So with us about that. um, I played at the highest level that that they had at the time. Uh, Recently, they just came out that they're going to have an actual professional league. Yeah. Which is super cool. Curious to see how that works um, with all the recent drama with the national team and how much they're paying their female athletes. I don't know how it's going to go. Right. Yeah. But we'll see. So um, I played 
what's called the Nova Scotia Soccer League Premiership League, um, which a lot of kids that are playing college, finish college, um, they go and they play in this level. um, And it's a great opportunity to continue to play. Um, I've actually noticed, and this is another rabbit hole we don't need to go down, but um, playing after college was much more appealing for our Canadian athletes than mm. our American athletes. I, uh, Interesting. At, at our school in Jacksonville, I feel like going home and playing in the summer, I was pumped about. Yeah. And the kids in the U.S., they were like, I have no interest in doing it. And now yeah. that I look at it from a coaching perspective, it's because they were burnt out and they yeah. were trying to survive. Um, but, yeah, so I would go back and I would play. Uh, and then, obviously, when I got stuck in Canada, it was it was two or three great years just to play. Um, and so I was training and playing with some kids, some younger kids. So we have a kid that's finishing up at Memphis. We have a kid at West Virginia. We have a kid at Florida, a kid at Texas. And so we kind of put a group together that would train and then we would play and we all played for different teams, which was great. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Sure. We could play all on the same team, but Mm -hmm. what's the fun in that? And I'll be on the same team. So I would get 90 minutes to kick around a kid that's going to West Virginia and then go (laughs) home and then talk about how great it was kicking. Annika Leslie, who's a starting center back for the U20 national team and uh, starting for West Virginia. So yeah, went, played, loved it. Um, I said that to actually a kid at, U- at ULS where, uh, where I'm the AD. Um, I was trying to convince him to play in a JV game because he's ineligible right now. And mm-hmm. I was like, if I could go back and I could play one more game, regardless of the level, yeah. I'd be there. I'd be doing it. Yeah. Um, and, and that stands true even now with my torn ACL and yeah. my destroyed knee. Like I, if I can go back and I can play like Good. tonight, we have high school boys group training mm-hmm. here on campus and I'm going to play and I'm probably going to kill myself, but you know what? <laughs> worth it. It's worth it. Your knee may not thank you after, yeah, no, but <laughs> definitely not. And my kid, my kids usually come and help me coach. Uh, my two-year-old thinks she's a coach. That's hilarious. So usually when I start playing, she's like, no, 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 no. We didn't sign up for this. So We'll see if I can get in and actually play today. Funny how your kids are a mirror of you and they show you the mannerisms that they learn from you when they do things like that. She'll tell us all the time when we're having dinner. She's like, look, I'm coaching. And she put her hands behind her back and she'll yell. And I'm like, that's not what I sound like. But But yet that's apparently what they sound like. (laughs) Yeah, that's apparently what I sound like. It's awesome. Yeah. So while you were playing, you tore your ACL. Yep. Talk to us about that experience. Yeah. Um, I tore my ACL at 16. And mm. it was like my world completely fell apart at that moment. Yeah. I can tell you exactly where it happened on the field. It was like the worst day of my life. Um, part of that, too, was I was tracking with the 17 national team. So um, we were a couple months out of CONCACAF, which is qualifiers for the World Cup. Um, and that July was going to be the World Cup. Um, so I tore my ACL the same day Tom Brady tore his ACL. Oh, wow. That's totally random. Yeah. And that's how I'll always remember it. Uh, so it was in September, um, had it fixed in November, uh, November 7th, I got it fixed and I was back playing May 1st, which was very quick, <laughs> which was very quick. I'm sitting here doing the mental yeah, math. Yeah. It was very, very quick. That's very early. Yep. Um, but I was extremely dedicated. I was super pumped. I was like, I gotta get back. I gotta, I gotta get back with that group, but realistically it just wasn't happening fitness wise, all those things. You Uh, probably felt it trying to come back that early. Yeah. And luckily I didn't tear it within contact. It was a, it was a tear where I was just transitioning with no one around me. So So I didn't necessarily have to worry about the, 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 
um, contact side of getting back into tackles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen a lot of girls tear it in a tackle Yep, and then they're nervous about going back into tackles yeah. and the mental side of that. Mm-hmm. But yes, then at 26, um, almost 10 years from the day I tore it again, I was running and I turned, I was pushing off a player to go get a ball off a throw in and it moved and I knew exactly what you know happened. I looked yep. at the referee. I was like, I need a sub. I just tore my ACL. <laughs> and he's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, because I just know. Been there, done that. <laughs> because I know. Um, I walked over to the trainer. I was like, I just tore my ACL. She's like, you sure? And I'm like, yep. And so she checked it. She's like, yeah, you tore your ACL. So I went in and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll get it fixed because I was in Canada. So I could yeah. get it fixed yep. for free. Yeah. Um, and then that was probably in August. And then we end up coming back to the U.S. that fall, that coming fall. So I just didn't have time to get fixed. And now I probably will never get it fixed. Mm. Um, well, there are a lot of people that continue to yeah. play and live without an ACL. Yeah. So I have no ACL, no meniscus. Um, usually, probably a little arthritis. Yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. My kids get weirded out when I do squats because it yeah. makes weird noise. Yeah. Um, but... I still play. Um, mostly it's just management of it. Yeah. It sucked, but um, it's just so common in the game now. I mean, males, females, everything in between yeah. are tearing ACLs and, and doctors are so good at what they do now. Um, it's just part of the game, unfortunately. It's same as Tommy John in baseball. And right. Actually, the Tommy John in baseball is a different rabbit hole because people are going in and with partial tears and getting them fully yeah, torn and yeah, it's because right. it makes it stronger and um luckily there's no science behind acl tears and coming back stronger right yeah and really ultimately the story with acl is it's time hard work yeah and proper preparation to return and it's a process and i'm sure as an athlete you felt the pluses and minuses of that process you know i mean you go through that initial loss for sure and you know i'm sure you watch your athletes who go through this and mm-hmm. see them they have that loss of identity they have that loss of purpose Sure. They are working really hard, far away from their teammates and having to kind of dig their way out of this hole. And it's not an easy process for anyone. And each person has their own way that they manage it. Totally. And I'm sure watching as a coach now, you've seen probably multiple different athletes go through this and you see that everyone, everyone handles it slightly differently. For sure. And, and I say it all the time, like sometimes these injuries are good for our athletes. And I hate to say that, but um we actually just had a kid come back. She kept dislocating her kneecap. And the last time she did it, it broke something in her, in her knee. Um, and her recovery was a year yeah. and watching her passion grow to come back was inspiring. Yeah. Um, a lot of kids take for granted they're healthy and they're young and they're fit mm-hmm. and, and, and until they it changes. Feel great. And then all of a sudden you lose that. And, and, um, it's amazing watching some kids be like, no, I need, I need to get back there. Mm-hmm. And some kids are kind of like, you know what? There's bigger fish to fry out there. So totally. it's really cool. And, and I say that all the time that maybe my ACL tears are why I am so eager beaver to get back into playing all the time, because yeah. it's, it's, those were months that I lost from, yeah. from part of, of who I am and what I am. So do you feel that experiencing injuries like that and having gone through that process, do you think that has changed who you are as a coach? For sure. For sure. Um, we, uh, as a coach, I'm always, like we have kids up. If I were to tell my kids we're practicing seven days a week for three hours a day, they would be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the training environment looks different now. Yeah. Um, you need to make, and I say this to my kids all the time. I want this practice to, if you were to leave and never come back to soccer or something were to happen and you could not come back to soccer, I want you to leave and say that my last practice was awesome. 
Mm-hmm. It was fun. I got something out of it. I grew as a human. I grew as a player. And pretty much it comes down to if you were to go tear your ACL in gym class. Yeah. Are, are you motivated to come back to the sport? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then I'm doing my job as a coach to create an environment that you want to come back to. Yeah. Um, There's something to be said for that. For sure. And and we've been super lucky. We actually have kids. We have not had many injuries. Um, we actually laugh. We just brought in a kid from a different club who was hurt all the time. Like I'm talking, always had something going on. And so when she came to play with LKF, I was kind of like, ah, man, she's never going to be healthy. If she's healthy, she's great. Yeah. But she's never healthy. Um, And that was a year ago and she has not been hurt once. It's amazing. So I think there is something to be said with environment. Um, I also think kids now are, kids are smart. Um, And they know that if I'm injured, I can't be hassled for not wanting to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for this young player, she wasn't enjoying it. And so yeah. being injured and going to the field and socializing with her friends was what she enjoyed. Mm-hmm. The soccer aspect, she wasn't enjoying. Yeah. Um, and so now with with us, she is enjoying the social aspects, but she's also like she had an hour long practice last week, uh, Tuesday from like five to six. And it was nine o'clock before she left because she had stuck around and she was like, I'm going to play with this group. And the boys are here at this time. I'm going to play with this group. It's awesome. Um, and so it's like, we can't get her off the field, which is awesome. Great problem to have. Um, but she's, it's, it's just a different environment and it's an environment where she's enjoying and, and being injured isn't as appealing. I'm not saying that she hasn't been injured um, and and maybe she was truly injured, but maybe the load on her small little 12 year old body was just, was just too much, um, which absolutely can also be the issue. Yeah, totally. And when you're feeling fatigued, you're kind of mentally strung out and it's hard to be invested and focused and all. There's a whole bunch to that. For sure. And, and parent stresses. I mean, if, if my parent is on me about being elite and I'm feeling like I'm in a rut. Yeah. It's. It's, it's straining on kids. I mean, we think about anxiety in sports. There's a lot that goes into it. Totally. At the young age. Absolutely. So obviously like, I think you've had a really unique experience growing up as a female in these sports and on all these different platforms. And so you've really pushed forward to try to do things to promote girls in sport and things like that and creating platforms for them to have a healthier environment to appreciate this from. Tell us a little bit about what you've done from that angle. Yeah. So, um, most of my big, um, my big push for girls participation in sport actually started when I transitioned to LKF. Um, I, I was at a club and I think I'm kind of answering two questions at once here, but go for it. I was at a club. Um, when I moved here, I, I joined into a club. Actually, I was talking to two different clubs and trying to figure out what was the best fit. Yeah. Um, and one of the clubs was kind of like, I'm willing to have you coach this team with me. And I was like, I don't want you willing to do anything. Like, I don't, I don't want, you're not selling me a used car here. Like <laughs> I'm a capable human. Just give me a team. Like, I don't care if it's the worst team in your club. Like yeah. give me a team. Let me have some fun with them. Yeah. Um, and so that was a pretty quick, like, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, and then I went to a new club where I was like, you know what? This is a pretty cool fit. Um, I really liked the guy in charge of the girls programs. Um, but I, I quickly realized that within the traditional, um, sports club setting in the U S and I think this is across any sport mm-hmm. is their businesses. They're yes. 1000% a business. I'm going to pay $1,600 for my kid to play sport. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to be like, yeah, this coach seems to know what he's doing. He's got a funny accent. 
He looks the part and he yells at my kid. Um, so they're probably, this looks like the real deal. This, this is it. Like, <laughs> we're going to get a leak here. And I always laugh. I ask my kids all the time, like, what does a lead even mean? And the kids are like, I don't know. I'm like, does anyone know? <laughs> but um, I very quickly realized that, and this is where my stubbornness comes in. Um, I, I know who I am as a coach. Yeah. Um, and of course, that's still changing. I think if yeah, you're, if you're it evolves a coach, all the time. Right. And once you start evolving and st- once you stop learning, that's when things go real south for you as a, mm-hmm. as a coach. Um, but for me, like my values and my philosophy, um, I'm pretty stubborn when it comes to that, mm-hmm. um, especially with females. I watched countless teammates, countless players. My roommate in college, she was one of the best soccer players I ever played with. And she hated the sport. Yep. But she did it because she was getting paid to do it. She yep. was getting paid to play Division One soccer. I'm going to play it. Um, and so I was like, man, there's something really wrong with this. Like, how is it that me and her can be friends, can live in the same tiny 200 square foot room? She hates it. I love it. We play together. Like, how does this happen? Right. Um, and so when I transitioned to LKF, um, it was mostly because I did not agree with philosophy. I didn't agree with the the morals. I didn't, I didn't agree with their human development. Yeah. Um, and we say child development or player development all the time, but it was truly human development. Like yeah. I wouldn't expect a human to talk to me the way they talk to kids, the right. kids at some, certain clubs. So I was like, I'm out of here. Um, and I was actually driving up to Appleton for our state championship with my U13 soccer team. So some of my kids were 12 years old and I was being told that by our vice president at the club, like, you need to play these players. These players shouldn't be playing because they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you can fire me. I'll turn around and head on home, but I'm going to play every single kid. Every kid's going to start because it's international walkouts. So the kids walk out, they stand at center circle. I want every parent to get an opportunity to pay, take a picture of their kid standing out at center po- or at center yeah. field. Yeah. Um, and if you have an issue with that, then I hope you can find a coach in the next 12 hours because I will gladly go home and spend yeah. a weekend with my family. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was kind of the, that was kind of the transition in LKF is if, if my morals and philosophy is being questioned, I think that's a bigger issue at hand. Yeah. Um, Cause that's not changing. Uh, that is, that is a club, that's a club philosophy or a organization philosophy and, and me being an outlier doing things that I think is what's best for kids. Like mm-hmm. that, that's hard to convince me to stay. Yeah. Um, and actually that ended up being the best state cup ever because we had a little kid. She's one of my favorite humans ever. She still plays for me. Her, she started our last game against her former club. So mm. she had came in from a different club and she started the last game and her parents were taking pictures and it was awesome. Um, three months later, her dad took a nap and never woke up. Oh. And so that was the last time that he Saw got to see her play at the top level and she got to start. And so she, I think like she was kind of losing her love for the game. And I think that's kind of what stuck it out. Like, yeah, she is at everything. She's a rock star. She's the coolest kid ever, but it's just things like that. It's bigger than soccer. And yeah. that's what it comes down to. Like soccer is the, is just, it's a classroom for kids to learn. Yeah. Um, and if we are only teaching our favorite 11 students, they wouldn't fly in a classroom. So why does it fly on a soccer field? So yeah. I was, I actually was about to quit. I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not, I'm just not even going to coach. And one of my best friends, I coach her four kids. She called and she was like, you know what? I think you would really like the guy at LKF. And mm-hmm. so I was like, all right. I mean, I'm pretty much out. Like my foot's out the door. Yeah. I actually just found out I was going to start coaching um, the boys soccer team at University Lake School. 
I was like, you know what? Change of scenery. I'm going to coach high school soccer. Yeah. I'm going to have a great Just time. Keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. Have a blast. And that ended up turning into a complete mess because now I'm a teacher. I'm an athletic director. I coach three teams. And it's like, oh, my God, how'd this happen? But Once you're in, you don't oh stop. Oh, my goodness. I just keep adding jobs. But um, I, I talked to him. I kind of – I was really blunt because my – I was I was feeling vulnerable at that time. I was yeah. like, man, I'm being – my my values are being questioned. My philosophy is being questioned. This is who I am. This is what I want. And yeah. he was like, this is the best place ever for you. So I met with them. I got started getting involved. And I was like, heck, yeah, this is it. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is what we need. Um, yeah. And so when I came in, they had a couple boys teams. I think they were at about 150 kids. And we actually just closed um, registration for this coming spring. And I think we're almost at 800 kids. Yeah. <laughs> My son's doing the summer camp. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, so it's been fun. Um, and through that, I've been able to create some really cool branches. So we um, we now at University Lake School host a girls soccer and wellness camp. So we did yeah. one last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, yeah. It was our first ever camp. We ended up having uh, over 70 kids. Yeah. So we decided this year to branch out. So we're going to do a girls soccer and wellness camp, a girls basketball and wellness camp, and a girls volleyball and wellness camp. It's awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's going to have the same backbone. Really what it came down to was – just having kids out within their environment, falling in love with their sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do actually, I laugh. We had some on-campus boys, some uh, now seniors and juniors. They were they were working on campus, and every day they would come down to see camp and be like, "What are you guys working on today?" And by Thursday, I couldn't get rid of them. So they were there. They were trying to tie dye shirts. They were they were giving up popsicles um, and it's, it's really just creating an environment that pe- that kids want to be involved in because yeah. I think I think we talk a lot about girls involvement in sport but I, th- I think the picture is bigger now and it's actually just all kids because boys are quitting left right and center too um, and so just creating an environment that kids want to be in and realizing that it, if they make a mistake it's a learning opportunity it's not a it's not a moment for me to criticize you and I say it all the time and my kids, my players, um, they always laugh if they see a coach yelling. They hear me say it all the time. It's not about me. And so mm-hmm. if they see a coach screaming or losing their mind or doing something ridiculous, they're like, they think they think it's about them. Yeah. Um, I've stood on many a side. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I, I think I've, I've, some would say coach, some would say brainwashed. I think I've brainwashed my kids enough now that they believe that it is their journey. Um, yeah. And I am just, I'm just a. A driver or yeah, a, kind of or guiding a, it. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just there to help. Um, Absolutely. And so it's been fun. Uh, we actually just had our first kid uh, start talking to a college coach. That's exciting. So it's like, look at that. We've gone a completely different route to get a player there, yet, but they're going to the same place. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like that same metaphor. They say like a breastfed baby or a formula fed baby, and they're still at four going to be eating French fries off the floor. Like, yep. Um, it's, it doesn't matter how you get there as, as long as you're keeping them there and you're, and you're keeping them healthy and happy, then they're going to get where they want to get. Totally. And there's a lot of different ways to achieve that. Totally. Now LKF is really quite unique in terms of their philosophies. And like you're saying, like really putting the human first and things like that. And I know that they preach and you can get into this more for us, but like they talk about character and community and sometimes practice isn't always about putting a ball on your foot. Totally. Um, So tell us a little bit about 
kind of the pillars that LKF was built on and that you guys feel is important to teach your athletes? For sure. So um, Jeff Staus and Brian Staus um, created LKF right when COVID hit. Um, and they kind of wanted to create an environment that um, kept kids involved in the game without, A, having to pay the ridiculous fees for club soccer, but also um, doing what's best for humans. I mean, we look at, I think on one of our documents, we have the UNICEF child rights laws. And if you were to like really look at a, a traditional sports club, they break a lot of the main UNICEF child right laws. Like how can, how can we do that? Um, And so what was done was they wanted to create something that people were proud to be a part of. Yeah. Um, And so at least on the girl side, I don't see as much on the boy side because the only time I really I'm involved with the boys is during the winter Mm. um, because I coach three girls teams (laughs) in the fall and spring. And everything else at ULS too. Yeah. So we're busy. So really every fall I coach four teams and every spring I coach four teams. So if you're looking for me, I'm at the same field all night, (laughs) all fall, all spring. And I'm at the same place all winter because we have winter programs, but, and all summer because now we just do so many camps, but um, yeah. So character and community was a big push for us um, because really what it is, is, um, and I laugh all the time. uh, Some of these coaches create great soccer players, but some of these coaches also create really terrible human beings. Um, And you can be a great soccer player for 20 years, but you need to be a good human until you're, you die. Yeah. My grandmother just turned 80. So like she has to be a good human for 80 years. Yeah. That's a long time. It is. Um, and so that's kind of the driving force. Um, a lot of disciplining for like, you'll never see a discipline for a bad s- soccer decision, but there's a lot of holding people accountable for making poor human choices or um, teaching better communication or can we do preventative things so that we don't put ourselves in positions that you're getting a red card because you decided to say something not kind to a referee or Mm -hmm. whatever that might look like. Um, And then the community part, which is, I think, the the coolest thing on the girl side um, and the boy side, I'm sure, is the same. But for girls, they love, I mean, look at social media. They love having people that they think they can be like. So Mm -hmm. sure, it's great to have a mentor like an Alex Morgan or a Christine Sinclair or Janine Becky or whoever it might be. Um, but having realistic um, role models is is essential. So for our groups, my three soccer teams, they train all at the same time. A, it makes it way easier for me. B, it lets them come and work with younger groups. So mm-hmm. I coach uh, the 2010 girls, 2009 girls, and 2008 girls. And we train 638 three nights a week. From 5 to 6.30, it is expected for them to be at the field working with our 2016-born kids, our 2011. Mm. So we have 65 girls on field yeah. helping younger kids or jumping in and showing them how to properly pass. And and even though they're not coaching it, kids are wanting to mirror what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that community part is great for child development and player development, but at the yeah. same time, too – we're at a tournament at Croatians and we have a 2015 that says, mom, I want to go watch my friend Maddie play. And all of a sudden now we have little kids watching older kids. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's creating that feel of, uh, of we're all, we're all the same. We're all doing the same thing. It's, yeah. it's creating that, um, 
that feel like that you see in a big school, like Arrowhead, you go to Hawk, you go to um, Hawkfest and you have four-year-olds, you have 18-year-olds. It's, it's creating that community of, um, of that's, that it's instilled in within that we're losing in our communities, honestly. Um, And it's, it's awesome. It's, it's fun. Uh, The kids know each other's names. It's, it kind of is just showing you the player pathway without having to teach people about the player pathway. Right. Um, which is super fun. And it also, it it's also healthy for coaches. Um, we talk about it all the time. I actually was talking to one of our freshmen here at school and she said, I quit soccer because my coach was just really mean. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's so simple, but it's like, yeah, that's all it took. Yeah. Um, and so for us, we want our coaches to be out. We want our coaches to be seen. We want people to get to know our coaches as human beings. And so yeah. if we train from 638, and my coaches show up at six, they can go in and they can help. They can get in with the younger groups. And, and so all my coaches, except for one are female. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them have played at the highest level. I have four coaches that played uh, division one soccer. I have one that is currently transitioning out of JUCO and hoping to go division one. And I have one that played in Europe. So I have all these females that are just super cool people. Yeah. And them just being at the field, um, I can have a little kid, like a little Flynn saying, I, someday I want to play for Rebecca or Eliza. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's, it's another incentive to stick it out. And if yeah. there's a, if there's a tough time, it's, it's easier for them to kind of persevere. It's someday I get to play for this person or yep. next year I get to play with these kids. And, um, and so that's been really cool. Um, and it's been fun to build. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. So a family friend of ours coached his daughter, um, I want to say she was about 10 years old. Maybe the group was that he was coaching and he commented about how much he learned about himself. Oh, for sure. And how much he learned about his daughter and just it, it like the leadership aspect of what LKF does not only helped his child grow, mm-hmm. but really helped him grow as a person, which I think is such a telling statement of sure. the mission of this organization, because I don't ever really think that a lot of soccer program or you know club you know any athlete program really is focused on or would say take pride in being like oh yeah my coach personally grew (laughs) during their time you know but I mean just the opportunities that were presented and the subject matter that was being used in the training sessions and it challenged him as a person to realize that he needed to present things in a less than traditional approach that probably what he grew up with and things like that. And it challenged him to reframe the concept of what sport does for someone. For sure. And thus it changed it for him, which I think was really kind of a cool statement because really do you hear a coach step out of a season and say, wow, I really personally grew that year. And I think that is massive. I mean, we talk about all the time. I think our our biggest strength is our vulnerability. Um, We're the first person to tell you when we mess up. And that's from the top down. Um, if we have an issue with gym space for winter scheduling, it's like, I'm a, I apologize. This is on me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're mad, I get it. Totally. I, I understand. I'd be pissed too. And so it's being vulnerable and, and the communication side of it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like a big thing is it's easy to blame someone else when something doesn't work. Yeah. But realistically, it, it's a lot more telling of of you as a human if you could just be like, yep, I own it. Like, I think every day I apologize and I'm like, I messed up. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, it's it's much more beneficial, <laughs> especially with parents, because parents can be nuts. Like parents yeah. can make or break a club. Parents can make or make or break a season. Um, 
And we've seen it all. Um, but it's been great because we have a huge emphasis on educating our parents. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because yeah. you guys are very upfront about the parental role. hundred percent. We we train our coach, our parents. So at the start of every year, we kind of say like, these are the questions you should be asking in the car. These are the things that you should be saying on the sideline. Um, a lot of our training, we don't let parents come to practice because just their presence can intimidate Changes. their own kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you've all seen... Um, a kid where they do something and they make a mistake and then they're right away looking at their parent and it's, or their parent is telling them to do one thing and their coach is telling them to do something else. Um, and so we, tr- we, we put a lot of effort um, into training our, into parent training our parents, because really that's the kids are going to learn more from their parents than, right. than from us in an hour and a half. Right. If we're telling them to do this and then they go home and for the next 20 hours before their next soccer practice, they're being told to do something else. Yeah. We're never going to win. Yeah. Um, and it's been really cool because we, a big thing with LKF is our multi-sport aspect. We encourage multi-sport athletes. Yeah. Um, I have a kid who is tracking for the national team for volleyball and we see her every Monday and, and that's it. pretty much yeah. that's about it. Um, but she shows up for a Saturday game and it's like, yeah, you're playing like, yeah, I'm not going to punish you for being really, really great at something else. Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. Um, well, I think this is like the first club that I've really heard of that yeah. kind of gives players permission right. to have balance or like, yeah, you're playing two things at one time. For sure. Cool. But I also don't want you here every hour of right. every day then because that's not going to serve you or us well. Right. We have a kid that is a is a phenomenal skier. And so she'll ski up and through for a good chunk of spring. Like she'll travel. She did like some glacier ski trip and it's like, she's all over the place. Um, and there were times where I would call her and her mom and be like, please don't come to practice today. Like your little body needs a break. You need to nap. You need to do your homework. Like focus on you because if you can't take care of yourself, then you have no business being around a soccer field because you're just going to get hurt. Um, but our parents have gotten really good with it. And now they go to their other organization. So if we have a soccer player that also plays basketball, they go to basketball and they kind of go, well, wait a minute. Like, this is a kind of a hot mess or like people mm-hmm. act ridiculous here or, yeah. um, and so it's been great because we've never heard the opposite. We haven't heard someone go to a different sport and be like, you know what? We need to yell at our kids more. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like they <laughs> said needed, no one ever. Right. They just needed to be reminded that like, yeah, really, what are we doing here? Totally. Um, which has been awesome. And, and I think that's been the best part is coaches will, like we don't lose coaches as much because yeah, they're enjoying they're it. not getting yelled at by a parent or getting an email sent saying like you played my kid for four minutes because it's it's not happening. Like, first yeah. of all, kids are playing lots. I my groups are getting to the age where, yes, if you're one of my better players, you probably play for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the expectation is at some point everyone's gonna play adequate minutes fair yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's been great. Um, and then, I mean, I, our biggest thing that we get criticized is it has always been the criticism is that we're a rec club. Like that's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you're a rec club. Um, we actually just went to our last tournament and we played some of the best clubs in the state and, and we beat them, yeah. um, which is awesome. Cause our kids just think they're the coolest kids ever, but, um, it just, it, it cracks me up because we, we have kids we have, and this is what Canada soccer and the U.S. soccer say, we keep as many kids in the best environment possible for as long as possible. That's kind of their slogan. So yeah. if you can keep 60 kids longer, your bench gets deeper. Yeah. Um, so our for our best player to our 18th player is a much smaller gap than, yeah. say, a team that plays their best 11 and then might play 12, 13, 14, and then their yeah. bottom three players never play. Yeah. Um, 
and the kids just buy in. And we do offer opportunities at our club. Like if you have been like, we had a kid last year that just blossomed. Um, she just com- completely changed as a player, completely came out of her shell. And all of a sudden we were like, who is this kid? But we, um, they, they do offer opportunities that if you are really playing well, we're going to mm-hmm. take a group of kids that are really killing it right now. We're going to go to a tournament. So mm-hmm. we're giving those kids that eat, sleep, breathe, die for soccer opportunities to compete against some of the best kids. So whether it's going to Indianapolis or St. Louis or mm-hmm. something, we, we give them that incentive to, um, to kind of tap into, um, that elite. And I say that with quotations because really we don't even know what elite means because the kids haven't even all gone through puberty. So how can we say that they're elite? <laughs> yeah. Shoot. A lot I of things at, change. I look at my husband who has played three years professional baseball and I'm like, is he elite? I don't know. Cause <laughs> I don't even know how you define that. Um, cause then you get to the professional level and then they're like, well, that guy's elite. So I'm like, wait a minute, is that guy elite or is like everyone at that level elite? So it's like every time you, you enter can't a even new measure pond, it. Right. The- <laughs> right. We, we played a team this fall and they're, their team name was FC Elite, and we were like, "Well, they're going to be really good." And we kind of said it sarcastically because it's like, "What does that even mean?" Like, yeah, it's FC Elite, so you must pay like three thousand dollars to become really elite soccer yeah. player. Yeah. Um, anyways, we beat them by seven, so we were not that elite. <laughs> Apparently, it was a misnomer. Yeah, maybe they spelt it wrong or something. Yeah. But yeah, um, so it's 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 fun, and and I'll, I'll be the first one to say like. I'm still learning. We're still learning. Um, Every single day I get a call from Jeff or a text being like, should we try to do this? Like, how should we fix this? Or I got an email asking about this or complaining about this. And and, I mean, so often we see complaints as people wanting to whine, but there has to be some merit to it. So it's like, how do we take it and grow with it? Or how do we take it, show our vulnerability and, and show that we are at least trying to fix it? Yeah. Um, Which I think is what has kept so many of our players here like we very rarely lose players yeah clearly by your numbers growth <laughs> unfortunately the only way we lose them is um we have really big clubs that are coming in and trying to take, take our players um which but, is saying something about the product that you're creating for sure for sure for sure obviously we for like sure. keep, keeping people within the family if you will right and 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 i always tell our kids like if you think that's what's going to get you to wherever it is you want to go like i i I'm not going to be here and be salty. Like it is yeah. your journey. Yeah. Coming yeah. back to, it's not about me. It's about you. And yeah. if you think going to FC Wisconsin and playing ECNL is going to get you there, then you, you have you. my support and you yeah. know where to find us. Yeah. Um, but it's been fun because we had, we had a kid uh, leave right when we came over. She actually never came. When, when a bunch of us came to LKF, she went to FC Wisconsin wasn't really enjoying the environment, left there, went to SC Wave, which is another massive MLS uh, affiliated club. Mm. And just this winter, she's come back. Yeah. And it was kind of like full circle. There's yeah. no saltiness. She came Some back. Some people the need to go pumped. through that journey, though, to for sure, for understand sure. what the best place is for them. And- Absolutely. And and it was complete circle. And all of a sudden, she's back and the kids are pumped and I'm pumped. And yeah. and it, it, was, it was awesome because, um, I mean, I see it all the time. When we brought a kid over this year, their coach, like, lost their mind at them. You're going to go there and your career's down the toilet. And it's like, who yeah. are you to say that? Yeah. <laughs> who, do you, who do you to say like what her journey even looks like? Do you have the, the magic eight ball Seriously. that tells you what's going to happen in the future? And that's one of my favorite things I hear all the time from some big organizations and it's across any sport. It's uh, if you mm-hmm. come here, I can promise you that we'll get you into a MLS 
next gen group. And it's like, how can you make that promise? Yeah. Like how much money is it going to cost for you to get yeah. there? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's those promises are just, I, I mean, it's the same as a doctor. If you walk in and a doctor tells you like, I promised and I'm going to cure you. That's, that's a that's big an aggressive promise. statement. That's a big promise. <laughs> promise what you know that you can promise. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we always stuck to. I promise that you're going to come here and you're going to have fun. Yeah. No, I, I think that's awesome. I think I was, um, <clears throat> looking at some of the Instagram posts recently. And I think one of them just really spoke to me that I think really summarizes LKF that it was like, parents, when your kid gets in the car, ask them these two questions. Mm -hmm. What did you learn today? And who are you as a person today? Yep. Yep. And I think if you could, if that, if you could in a very simple way, summarize the intent of the training sessions and the organization, I think that really summarizes it. And I think it's a really good thing to push back at. Cause I think of like, I worked in sports for many years and you hear like people come in the car and like complain about the training session or right. complain about how they didn't get the ball enough or, right. you know, <clears throat> or maybe tell you about how many goals they scored or whatever. That rarely is it that like internal assessment. Mm-hmm. And I think the more we can teach people to look into themselves and what they're bringing to the situation, that that's a life lesson. That's not a for soccer sure. lesson. That's a life lesson. But I think that really speaks to the core of what LKF is. For sure. And and we say it all the time to our girls. It's easy to be toxic. It's easy to be negative. It's it's easy to complain. It's, mm-hmm. it's something that you're tired. At the end of the day, you get to practice and you passed it to so-and-so who's not a very good soccer player. And it's easy to complain about that. Mm-hmm. It's way harder to say, you know what, this kid's not as great as a really good soccer player. I'm going to be her partner and I'm going to try to make her a better soccer player. It's that's, that's hard, but that's human development. That is player development. If I have, if I'm working on a group project and I see this all the time in my freshman world lit class, it's easy for me to be like, oh, so-and-so did no work. I did all the work. That's easy to do. It's mm-hmm. harder for me to hold that person accountable. Um, and that's our conversation all the time um, that we have with the kids. We have a theme of the week. So we have our soccer theme of the week, which might be 1v1 defending. Yeah. And then we have a human theme of the week, which could be communication. Um, our big one that we do, um, we have a couple main ones and they tie in with um, fundraisers. So like we do Gus Tuff. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Yeah. Uh, but we have a we coach know, whose son is. We know Gus well. Yes. Yeah. He's great. So um, we do a Gus Tuff uh a fundraiser every year. Um, we have a player whose sister has Down syndrome, so we do a big Down syndrome yeah. uh, fundraiser. But they usually tie in with our themes of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we do some fun stuff. Like in the fall, we have build a ball where they have to build a soccer ball out of <laughs> things, and it's it's to demonstrate how spoiled we are in yeah. living in the U.S. How other parts right. of the world so, create a soccer ball. Right. So they learn about how in Africa they will make soccer balls out of plastic garbage. bags or yeah. garbage or socks or whatever. And so our kids roll into practice one night in the fall with a soccer ball and it's always a treat on what's in there. Every year we have a pinata. So that's always a crowd pleaser because they get candy. Someone always does something really mean and put like a rock in it. Jeez. Um, oh, which is, we're like, that ball, that one's going away. Yeah, that one's going to be on the sideline. Um, but it's been great because, I mean, I have freshmen in high school and they are bought in like they are yeah they are all in and so in the spring we'll do build a jersey which is kind of the same as your build a soccer ball and i'm going to have kids show up and they're going to be decked out in uniforms and they're mm-hmm. going to be handmade we had a kid last year that so, like took a bunch of old shirts and sewed them together like yeah. kid buy in um and so we always laugh because it's easy to be like oh teenagers like they don't buy into anything but 
I have teenagers that will eat, sleep and breathe for our fun little things. We do tie dye. We do a tie dye night where we tie dye shirts. Like Mm -hmm. as long as we're bought in, they are bought in. Um, And I think that's, that's probably what makes us so unique is our kids think that whatever we do is the coolest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. (laughs) And you're making them better humans as a result. Totally. And ultimately those are the teammates that people want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whatever sport. And I'm sure a lot of these kids are multi-sport athletes and, I am sure that they're taking what they're learning here and hopefully taking it to other sports and other teams that they're on as well, you know, and that's Agreed. that's the kid that every coach wants and every teammate wants. Yeah. Ultimately. And I say it all the time to my husband when I get home, like we could win a tournament and like we went to a tournament and I think we had like 38 goals for and one against. And like, I could go home and brag about that right away to my husband, but I went home and I think I talked about every single kid and how proud I am of them as a human, or yep. it was like bring things for the food drive and we brought like a thousand pounds worth of food like mm-hmm. it's the things like that that it's it's soon as your brain can change from i am a soccer coach to i am a life coach mm-hmm. like i think that's a massive component to it because I, I mean they can like i have a kid that trains probably six nights a week she's mm-hmm. a rock star but every day when i leave i'm like i'm so proud of you for the human that you are yeah um and a lot of kids don't hear that like a lot of kids don't hear that people are proud of them so mm-hmm. I, I i try every week to tell someone i'm proud of them for something that is unique to them yeah um and it could be something like i'm proud of you for picking up garbage off the gym floor like yeah you are doing something that betters the community or i am proud of you for talking to so-and-so when she got upset um and it's little things like that that's just it's positive reinforcement yeah it helps someone feel seen as well right um so it's it's been fun that's pretty awesome i love it all right so lightning round okay these are just random questions that help us get to know julia a little differently outside of the content of what we were discussing today i don't know if you're gonna learn much because all i do is eat sleep and go to soccer fields (laughs) basketball gyms we were out last night till 8.30 at a basketball game, yep. which was awesome. <laughs> ULS won. There we go. Yep. Love that. Okay, so first one, easy one. Um, favorite women's professional soccer player right now? Oh, right now. Or maybe recently retired if need be. <sighs> That's so hard. Well, like, as a Canadian, you got to <laughs> say Christine Sinclair, Fair. and I love her. And actually, over COVID, I got to meet her, mm. which was, like, the coolest thing ever. But at the same time, and I hope she never hears this, <laughs> but I think it is getting time to retire. And I say that with like so much sadness with because she's so awesome, but I do. Um, there's, there's so many players that I absolutely love right now. Um, and unfortunately for the U S listeners, I'm true to my Canadian national team. Um, I love Quinn. Um, not necessarily for the soccer player that Quinn is, um, but what Quinn, I, if, I don't know if you know who Quinn is. Quinn is on the female national team and she, um, after she's done playing, is going to transition into a boy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what they have done is is so brave and so strong. Um, I just, I think that it's kind of the first player to really be at the international level that's kind of shown that vulnerability. And I'm yeah. like, that's super super cool yeah um i think that there's a lot of young players coming up through the canadian national team right now that are super cool uh jade riviere is a fullback uh i just think she's just so cool um she's a good player she's quick she's dangerous i think it kind of demonstrates how the canadian national team is kind of changing the mold of what they are as as a as players Mm -hmm. um i'm curious to see what it looks like in the next couple years i mean the u.s is always hard to compete with yeah, because they have so many players to pick from, right. and they're so athletic. But 
Um, I think what Canda Soccer is trying to do is going to make for some very fun Canda U.S. games Absolutely. in the next coming years. I agree. Um, are you an EPL person? Uh, I am. Uh, I don't want to talk about it because my team is absolute. I was going to ask who your team we use was. The word, we use the word dog pants in my house. Um, <laughs> and that's that that means bad. <laughs> and it's because we've been so close to saying a bad word. And so we've changed it to dog pants. <laughs> and so my kids, when when my two year old is mad at someone, she's like, that's dog pants. And I'm like, you're right, buddy. So who's your uh, team? I love Everton. Okay. Um, they're really bad. I think they're in 18th right now. At this rate, we might get relegated. Yeah. It breaks my they're heart. They're hanging but, by their teeth. Yeah. But I've always loved them. I just, that's just the way it is. That's the, that's the like emotional journey of being an EPL fan yeah. though. It's like you're high yeah. and then yeah. you're low. Unless, unless you like one of those big, those big names. It's kind of like when you look at baseball, like you can like the Yankees and you can expect that they'll be pretty good every year. Like yeah. I can like Manchester United and they'll be probably pretty good every year, but I liked Everton when I was like eight years old for some reason. And I'm just like, well, I can't believe I said it out loud because now I have to stick with it. That's the thing that's funny is like EPL stuff. It's like once you're a fan, you're a fan for life with that team. Yeah. Like, that's your team. 100%. You don't and if you jump around, it's like yeah. not oh, acceptable. Yeah. We use the term fence sitter. You become yep. a fence sitter. You can't sit on the fence and pick which way you're going. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so if you were stuck on a desert island for the okay. rest of your life and you could take two foods with you, what would it be? Two foods, potatoes. You can do anything with potatoes. I love mashed potatoes, French fries, pancakes. You can make potato pancakes. <laughs> um, if I'm on a desert island, is there water? Like, can I fish? Do I have to bring like a fish with me, or can like I bring something else and then fish? You have you are there. We could assume that there's water around. Sweet, me. great. Okay, so I'm bringing <laughs> potatoes, and I am bringing spicy ramen. Okay. Yep. Okay. Then I can find some plants, throw it in there, make it fancy. There you go. So then what's a guilty pleasure food for you? Guilty pleasure food for me. hundred grand. Oh. It's a really weird one. Yeah. Actually, for my birthday, it was a couple of weeks ago, I got to soccer practice and like four kids brought me like massive bags of it. And I was like, I hate you guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm about these. to gain 10 I'm pounds. I'm going to eat all of these. <laughs> and my kids don't like, Charlie doesn't like them because she doesn't like how it gets stuck on the top of her mouth. And yeah. I'm like, oh man. So every practice I bring them and I'm like, just eat. Just eat them, please. I don't yeah. need them in my house. <laughs> yeah. They were in my classroom for a day. They all disappeared. I was like, okay, this worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those things, they don't last long in my house. That's awesome. Yeah. So the last question I have for you, I steal this from Mike Robertson, who does this in his podcast. And I just think it's a really good question to finish on. If you were to look back at the old you mm-hmm. and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, that's an awesome question. Um. If I were to look back at my years, I talk about all the time with my high school students. Again, that vulnerability piece. I hated high school. I absolutely hated it. Um, I transferred into a massive high school because of the soccer training program I was in. I would train before school, go to school, train after school. Um, And so I transferred into the school that I knew a couple kids. Um, But being the athlete that I was, um, a lot of, well, what at that time they would consider themselves the cool people. I got bullied my whole high school career. Um, and I think I would go back and I would have cared less. Um, yeah. And I laugh because my one of my favorite college coaches, um, he was our assistant coach. He used to be just, just, just do less. And I think I would have done that. I think I would have just stayed in my lane more and, and it, just and it's easier said than done. Yeah. To let it roll off the shoulder. Yeah. But I think I just would have surrounded myself with people that were more like me. Yeah. Um, and just I mean, 
I, I stayed away from them, but um, I, I missed out on a lot of things because I didn't want to go to a social setting in case I'd get picked on or bullied right. or whatever yeah. that looked like. And and I think I would have done, I would have cared less. I would have done less. I would have just done what I thought would make me happy at the time. Yeah. Um, like I remember multiple Friday nights, people would be like, oh, we're going to a bonfire here. And I'm like, Meh. Yeah. if so-and-so was there, so-and-so was there, there's, they're going to make my life miserable. And I think I, looking back, I should have just gone, Yeah. gone. And my dad used, my dad was a police officer. He just retired. And he was like, Julia, you could take him. And that's what he would say. He didn't say anything more. So he wasn't encouraging me to do anything, but he was like, maybe you just got to stand up for yourself. And, and I was a passive person. So I'd be like, no, it's fine. Whatever. Um, yeah. But I would have gone back and I would like to relive or tell myself to really live out my high school years because I'm now, I just turned 30 and I have two kids and, and there's a lot of things. I'm glad where I'm at. I'm, yeah. I'm glad on, on, on how things turned out for me, but there, there are things that I feel like I missed out on in my high school years. And and I say to my high school students all the time, like, enjoy these years. Cause yeah, shoot every year you get older, there's more burns and there's, and there's more things to worry about. Totally. Um, it's soak up being under your parents' roof and under your adulting is hard. Yeah. Adulting <laughs> really is the worst. Every morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. This is the worst. I'm going to let somebody take responsibility seriously, for me one day. <laughs> seriously. Um, yeah. So I think that, I think that, but really, um, Every day now, it's we giggle, we get home. Last night, we got home at 9. My kids went to bed at 10.30. I have a six-month-old and two-year-old. And at You're 10 o'clock, my kid is like running around the house. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> but we're just day by day being mm-hmm. present. Um, totally. And I, I think that that would be my advice. I'd go back and just just be present. Just enjoy where I'm at. Because uh, if I don't enjoy it, then I'm just going to be miserable every day. Yeah. <laughs> so don't let other people dictate your yeah, happiness. for sure. For okay. sure. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great spot to end on. Yeah. So thank you, Julia, so much for joining us today. Um, you can learn more about Let Kids Fly on social media at Let Kids Fly, or um, their website is www.hawksoccer.org, and yep. those will be in the podcast notes if you want to click on them. So thanks to our listeners for joining us today on the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Julia and more about LKF as I did, and we look forward to seeing you at our next podcast. Just one more second. Hamstring injuries in athletes are one of the most annoying things to go through. We've all seen the athlete that's sprinting down the field, about to make a big play, and pull up like someone shot them in the back of the leg. And quite frankly, hamstring injuries can linger and affect your performance for the entire season, and they do come back quite regularly. We commonly see athletes go through inappropriate or incomplete rehab programs after undergoing a hamstring strain and we would like to help change this. We have a free online mini course that goes through a step-by-step criteria-based progression to recover from a hamstring injury and return to the field and perform at a high level. You can sign up for this free online class at the link in our bio at kinetic underscore SMP or by clicking on the link in the show notes below. We'd love it if you would share this free resource with anyone that is currently going through a hamstring injury or has a history of hamstring strains. 